there's just no reason to be afraid. And I, I have a dark side. I have doubting devils. I have beating up on myself. I'm not devoid or absolved or free of any of that stuff. I think I'd just rather have a panic attack about something I did rather than something I didn't. Welcome to the New Shoe Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Cornell. I invite you with love into this space to learn and grow with me. And for a brief moment of the day, come home to yourself. In this episode, I speak with my dear friend, actor, creative, writer, wonderful and profound soul, Drew Barrymore. This is a side of Drew that you probably don't know about. She shares how, at the beginning of the pandemic, writing became her way of coping, expressing herself, finding her center and her creativity. Tune in to hear about Drew's favorite novels, how she approaches creative writing, lots of tips about how to approach the writing process, and from where we draw our inspiration. I guess my favorite thing about this episode is that throughout the whole conversation, there is inspiration in the way that Drew approaches her life with curiosity, bravery, love, and honesty. Early on, when this whole thing was just starting to happen, you just kept saying, I've just been writing. Like, I just, I don't even know what to do. I've just been writing. And it felt like something that was just like bubbling up inside you, right? You didn't sort of say like, what am I going to do? I think I need to go write. Like it was like, I could just see that creative energy just pouring out of you. When did you just realize this is something I have to do right now? Well, I always wanted to be a writer. That was like, since I was a kid, like I brought Steven Spielberg, not to name drop because I hate name dropping so much. I'm like, really? You know them? Mm. I, I just genuinely happened. He like took pity on me. He was like, Oh, wow. Your mom takes you clubbing. I need to give you some wholesome balance in your life. And he became like my godfather, um, not legally or technically. I don't even know if that's a thing and, and certainly not ordained, but he just took on a very paternal role to me. So I, would show him my writing all the time. When I was like seven, eight years old, I would write little screenplays and stories and he would read them and it just was so validating. It, I didn't go to school, so I didn't have teachers like that. I was doing on set schooling for a couple hours a day. And um, so I never had that sort of education, scholastic kind of repertoire and like you know, experience with writing. And then I became a producer at 19. And the biggest thing that I knew was I didn't want to schmooze with the pretty people. I just wanted to hang out with writers because people can hear pitches all day long. They too may never see the light of day or manifest. But if something's written, everybody goes from blind and curious to, oh, I know what this is. It's like immediate, everyone's on the same page, sharing the same vision. The writing is like the temple. And once that temple is created, you're off to the races. And I've just loved writing. And then I've had, you know, my best friend, Nan, who you've met and know, um, she always, whenever I would have a problem in life, like, I can't figure this out. She'd be like, right. And I'd be like, oh, I'm so heartbroken. I can't even like think straight or function. Right. And she she was such a journaler and she was like what a teacher I think does for you, which is convince you that writing is 
this cathartic outlet and the power of letters. I mean, so much of my life I can trace back to a letter I wrote that changed everything. Um, I've been a big, like, type it out, hand it over. Here is my letter to make this thing happen. Letters matter. They move things. They're a needle mover. And they're so forgotten. I mean, nobody writes letters anymore. It's so sad. I know you do. I've started to try and write a couple of letters. Once a week, I write someone a letter. Oh, look at you. You're so sexy. You just are. Of course you do. Can I, by the way, be someone? I'll pen pal with you from a block away. How cool would that be if we pen paled? Literally, we could paper airplane them from my house to yours. Well, I'm big on the postcards with the girls. So I'll just write you a postcard. But I, so I finally, like my big bucket list thing to do always was write. And then finally, and since we've known each other, I wrote a book and it was like the biggest deal for me. And then right after it came out, I got divorced. And it was just one of those things where this wave I really wanted to ride and celebrate happened right at this moment that I've never been more internal and lost and quiet and scared to speak or afraid to take a step. And it just shut this avalanche that was brewing in me down. And I hadn't written a thing. And what was interesting was we're we're on these hamster wheels, go, go, go. And something like this crisis and pandemic happens and we are no longer allowed to function in our usual way. And I think we think that that is the death of inspiration, but what it might be is actually the quieting of your habitual things that stop, that make room for something else to rebirth. And that was what happened for me in writing. Like all of a sudden I just came back after a five-year hibernation and I kept looking at the nature and everything was going from winter and honestly dead into blooming and becoming alive and and it takes in nature that evolution in order to bloom and come alive and we're doing that in this beautiful dual path and through the most extraordinary circumstances sometimes comes the most extraordinary parts of you where the others have to go away. You can't do it all and you can't do it all at the same time. I've gotten in trouble for saying you can't have it all. Women didn't like that. I was like, oh no, I don't mean it like that. You can have it all. Yeah. But can you like, you literally can't do it all at the same time and things will have to give. And so maybe creativity and inspiration is the same and we tend to force it. We're scared when it's gone. But what happens when we get quiet? Does something else come up from the left or behind it and surprise us? And this is a time where when we're not on our normal hamster wheels, maybe we can make room for something that didn't have the room otherwise. I'm really feeling that strongly now too. It's like, what is this creating room for? But one of the things that's, that's so striking, Drew, about you is your capacity to actually be honest and real. Has that always been, is that just you or is that, you know, years and years of writing and journaling and trying things out and what, why do you think you're that way? There is a chasm between my ridiculous, insane, I can't stop myself from caring about how people think and feel to wondering what they'll think about something I want 
I, I, I want, I, I'm going to do, or I want to do. I don't, you know what? It's the ego. Don't get in your ego. It's such bullshit. The id, the super ego, the ego, the ego is such a toxic place. And I will say growing up in Hollywood was like the best life lesson to me. All of the con concern in the wrong direction and people knowing what people thought of them or that people thought of them at all. I was like, Oh my God, this is so toxic. I can't, I will never fall prey to this. But it was also like a good springboard for like, you know, that pippy long stocking kind of ballsy. Like, I don't know if there's a glass ceiling. I'm just going to hop around here and try not to hurt anybody. So I, I'm glad at the, the places I grew up in, they gave me a lot of perspective on the things to, be brave about and 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 the, mostly the things to just not be so concerned with if you're obsessed with your own stuff everybody's equally obsessed with their own stuff and nobody cares <laughs> like just don't be so caught up with it and yeah. you'll be paralyzed with thoughts and feelings that may not even be accurate so you're actually working in falsities i mean oh my god it's just the most dangerous place to play keep all of it out so you can be in touch with your own gut. And if you're not so screwed up inside like I am, and there's not enough mental gymnastics to survive your own scrutiny all day long, don't invite anyone else's in. Yeah, I know. It's dark enough in here. I we don't beat ourselves it. up enough, right? <laughs> oh my God. I would never treat anyone the way I treat myself. It's sick. I have a couple of questions here about writing. People who have tried to write books, want to publish books, don't have budget to... Oh my God, books. Start with a short story. Good advice. Jesus Christ. I'm scared to write a book too. I mean, I did write a book, but I still kept it. In, and by the way, I didn't know this, um, is that if they're personal and real, uh, autobiographical, they are essays. Short stories are fiction only. But I just think that I've read so much poetry and short stories and essays as well growing up in my voracious appetite for literature um, that that was that to me never seemed like a less than endeavor and it was a great way to sort of give myself a bookend I had no idea that like a 2,000 to 4,000 word count a day was probably going to flow. I would have never guessed. I'd have been like 100 words, 8,000. I don't know. You'll start to find your rhythm. Don't beat up on yourself. If it's like 1,000 words, it could be 6,000 words. Like I think blocking out time, if you block out time to exercise, why not block out time to do this? Um, there is a very long standing of history that, mornings are the best. They are crisper. They are clearer. I definitely think there's a level of fatigue. It seems like a lot of the most famous writers, especially women who are struggling with families, like woke up early to get it done. And I think there's something about that time in the way that the mind and the body are connected. There's something very electric about that time. I'm a rebel to grammar. I just want to write the way that my head hears it and the way that I would say it if I was giving an oration. That is the way I write. Uh, writing the way that you would say it out loud and mean it to sound is a good 
place to start when writing. Um, and don't write for anyone. Don't, I never have written like to say, if you're out there reading this, you too may, I assume no one's ever going to read it. And I don't even want to admit, I think someone might ever read it. So I never call out to anyone. And I try to leave the generals not there and just keep owning everything I'm saying. I want to acknowledge a couple of questions here. Lena and Nandini, it's so interesting. Both of your questions are, I have this passion. I want to write something, but I'm a little afraid to put it out there. I'm afraid it's not perfect. I'm afraid of rejection. And I think Drew is telling you, like, take that, take that off. Just go for it. And nothing exists until it does. I'm making a talk show. I haven't really talked about it, ironically, so people don't know about it. But I say in the production meetings, I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. Let's just go do it. You film it on an iPhone. It takes five minutes, and then it's done, and everybody's looking at it, and they're like, oh, yeah. But you can literally talk yourself not only to death, but right out of the idea. So yeah. just do it. And unless you're revealing something that you might have some repercussions you are not wanting to bring into your life, there is no reward without risk. But this is also a time to just throw the rule book out and dare like you've never dared before. If not now, I'm not sure really when. I love this story in one of your blogs uh, when you're in Hawaii and you're lost and you finally find your space and you, I, I'm going to read it here. Uh, I, I literally danced. I shouted like a caveman who had just invented fire. And then you go on to say, I've been an independent traveler ever since seeing places around the world without fear. So go ahead and get lost. It's the only way we can find ourselves. Honestly, Drew, when I'm afraid to take a leap, I think of you and your fearlessness. You know, a lot of the questions and the comments are really reflecting that. Like, I think I want to, I'm a little afraid to take that leap. Um, do it. Just do it. You honestly, and again, unless you're about to reveal like you cheated on your husband and there's going to be some horrible outcome from it. Like, why? Why not the risk? Why not get started on your life, on your dreams, on your wishes? We have to pack it all in. We are, we don't know that we're gifted all the time in not knowing when it is that we're all going to do the same thing, which is eventually pass on somewhere, hopefully so fantastic. We have to give all this up to get there. Yeah. And we just don't know when that's coming. And this is a time when we've been stuck in a space, really thinking about the dauntingness of mortality. Some moments I don't know where to find my hope. And some moment I'm like, you know, this is a great time to just say, you know what? <laughs> Hey, sweetie, just do your thing. And I just know that there are so many lives to live in one life and you, you just have to live it. There's just no reason to be afraid. And I, I have a dark side. I have doubting devils. I have beating up on myself. I'm not devoid or absolved or free of any of that stuff. I think I'd just rather have a panic attack about something I did rather than something I didn't. How do you think about structure and how you do things? Is there a way you do things or is everyone overthinking it? <laughs> no, no, I, I definitely, I tend to write out what I think is the name of the story. That's like first. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that I might write a few notes here and there 
a lot on post-its, jot it down in my phone, just write it down on a piece of paper, just get some little seeds that you, a sentence, a key story point, and those things will trigger the memory of, oh, I, I wanted to incorporate that. I don't want to, you just grab the little butterflies in your net of things you don't want to forget. And they don't have to be in order. I, I personally, the way I work is I just, I know kind of from the story that I'm going to follow it in a logically linear manner, but I may not tell the story that way, but I've got the beats of what the, what is the beginning, middle and end. And then I love like a lack or a lack of chronology. I love going here, but only to end up there. But I think if you have the logic in your head of what it is, you're trying to tell the story, the time, the place, the things you're trying to convey, then you can dance and you can be free. I don't think I would enjoy writing so much if I had to do like beginning, middle and end or keep it chronological. Um, sometimes I get lost a little bit too much in a tangent. And when I'm reading it back, I'm like, oh, I, this is not connecting enough. And you cut stuff out. I definitely edit it like a few times before it's finished. So, you know, sometimes I meander and I'm like, I'm not even following this. And I know what I'm trying to say. This sucks. So have your little seeds and then you plant your garden. And it, it, to me, I don't think it has to be meticulous. I don't think there has to be rules. You just have to remember what is that title? What is that, that crispness of those words that are going to be exactly like when you read the story, you'll understand that title. Like it will be a summation. It will make sense. It's not random. And then be free with it a little bit because otherwise there's a rigidity that starts to lack like emotion because when you start writing, it's like something swells. You hear that music, you feel that cacophony within and you're like, Oh shit. I mean, I, I, I cry and I laugh when I'm writing because I know in that moment, Oh, I'm getting to something very real here. And yet I'm not even that calculated about it. I wrote on the back of my book, we all have our stories to tell. These are mine. Everybody's stories mean something to them and other people. Nobody is less important also. Nobody is less interesting. Nobody has a struggle that isn't valid. I know people's life paths seem so drastically fortunate or so drastically unfair. And I still hope that there is merit in both people telling their story. It is all relevant. Everybody feels the same way. An inner office romance is the same feeling that two kids in high school like feel. The perspectives and the narratives and the details can be vastly different, but I believe the feelings are so comparable. Yeah. There are a couple of questions coming through about journaling and asking whether you journal. And I, I, I love that question because the journal to me, you know, it's like, what's the difference between writing and journaling? I think journaling implies it's not for anybody. I agree with that. I think it's an exercise and it's a private thing that is only for you. Yeah. Um, I journaled a lot 
growing up. I have all my journals still too, like hundreds of journals. And they mostly just are so stupid and talking about like boys. And, you know, I was such a love junkie, but there was a lot of good poetry in there. Um, And I even put one of the poems at the very beginning of the book. And I'd like to re-go back and visit that. Everything at that time in your life, it's, it's as powerful as anything you've ever known up until that point. But I will look at the poetry because that was where I would like hit a stride. And it was because I wasn't trying to tell a story. I was trying to convey a feeling. Um, I, I'm obsessed with the dictionary and the thesaurus. Mm-hmm. And so poetry is such a great way, way to use those words descriptively and to convey a feeling that's like a whole other field. I would love to do a whole book of the old poetry I wrote. I don't journal anymore. I don't have time for it. It's the same way where I'm not reading novel after novel. I love cookbooks and I love short stories and I love magazines and I love articles. And that's about the amount of bandwidth I have. And um, I... I definitely, if I wake up and I can get that window, I run to write because I know throughout the day I'm going to struggle to find it again. And then I think if it's like you become like a greyhound at the gate with a little bit of rabies and foam in the mouth too, you know, and you're like, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I think there's something about all those little seeds that you've gathered. And then again, if you wake up and can get a window, you're ready to pounce. It's all that percolating that goes on inside of you and like put the post-its down and the story ideas and the titles and the this and all those memories that jogs like grab that falling star of a memory okay that will go in there and before you know it you've got this whole little egg carton full of eggs to work with and you've like the gates open and you're off to the races what's on your must read list you know uh, like what are some of the authors that you love just think you remember reading that that moved you or changed you or opened your eyes in a way before children. Before um, children. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you have, I have many books stacked on my, on my dresser. They're very pretty. They're I pretty. love to go to the bookstore. And when I finish a book, which I do, you know, but I used to read a cup, like several books a month. And now it's like, I'm happy if I could read in a year, what I used to read in a month. And that's just, that's my reality. I loved uh, Kurt Vonnegut and Joan Fonte, uh, John Fonte and Joan Didion and Charles Bukowski. Um, those storytellers really got under my skin. I love their voices. I loved their stories. I related to their screwed upness. Um, I felt really screwed up when I was younger and I knew that I was and I wore it like an honor badge. I didn't that I didn't really beat myself up for. I hope it, I hoped I'd grow out of it one day and become a more accountable, responsible person. I, I'm getting there. Uh, but You're there, look at you, mom, holding down the fort, managing you. it all, being creative, creating a home for your kids. You're doing it. Thank you. I have fought to get here. Every all my plans did blow up in my face, you know, when I had two young kids. So I had to face things. It wasn't like I had kids and I got it all together. It was like I had kids. My life fell apart. I had to relearn everything, and it took a really long time. And um, but 
I, I loved reading the classics. I wanted to know why Ayn Rand was important, why Dostoevsky or Pride and Prejudice was so important. And it's, so I hooked into writers that I loved and then I wanted to read everything they ever wrote. And then I really wanted to just attack every classic I could. And I, if it was 800 pages, I knew that it was important and somehow I was just going to get through it. And some felt more medicinal than others, but there's just nothing. I mean, there's nothing like that feeling of like finishing those tomes. I could dry hump those books and throw them up in the air and shoot them and light them on fire. And I'd be like, that's right, bitch, I did it. I loved it so much. It was the best. And then I would write my name in it and I would put it up on the shelf. And I swear to God, I like, I will give you the shirt off my back. I will hand you the keys to my car. If you touch my book, I will cut you. <laughs> They're really important to me. Book spines transcend me into a hypnosis. My mom was a big reader. And so I just was like every hallway, everything was just piles of books everywhere. And I have bookshelves all over the place myself. And I'm really protective of the books that I've read and they mean so much to me. They are journeys. They are lovers. They are friends. They are relationships. They are, I mean, I mean, when I read A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway, I, I was like, I've never cried so hard reading a book. I couldn't get through it at the end. And why is F. Scott Fitzgerald important? Um, so I was not very good at reading like current literature. I wanted to go back in yeah. time. Um, so I'm still not always knowledgeable about, did you read that new book come out that came out? No, I didn't even know it did. Is it good? Um, I will go buy some of those books if I'm hearing a lot about it. And I maybe Catcher in the Rye was one of the first big classics I read when I was 14 and I was coming out of a real hard time. And I just thought if books can make you feel this not alone, then I need to keep going. I just never stopped reading. Everywhere I went, everything I did was about reading. And I was, I'm self-taught. So it was like, I felt a responsibility, but I really enjoyed it too. It didn't feel like homework. I just loved it. It's so much of who I am, but I'm not Miss Current Bookie person. Yeah. I read cookbooks. That's what I do. I'm running a test kitchen. I read the recipes. I read the author's notes. I read how it's all done. I get in bed with my glasses every day. Um, I wanted to thank you so much for being with me. It actually really helped my heart today to just talk to you. And if you haven't read Drew's blog, you should read Drew's blog. It's so beautiful. It's so inspiring. There is so much of you in it, Drew. I just love, love reading it. I mean, I could go on and on picking out little bits of the blog that I, I love. I really, the one that I really, really like is the one that starts with your usual morning routine with your girls, getting them off to school and how you're self-taught that you really, you know, taught yourself and that you value school for your girls. Yeah. And that this time is hard with the school, sort of school, sort of not school. Um, I know. It's hard. How, I how are you I managing? We have a couple minutes. I want to know how you're doing. Just, I found such a lifeline and an anchor and something to believe in and invest in and something I'd never had the luxury of in my life. And 
So it feels really high stakes for me and everybody, but I know how lucky I am. And I just feel like everyone is going through the same thing. And, and, and I'm on the lucky side of the perspective. I'm fine. It's all good. We'll figure it out. Um, I just want to do the right and safe thing by the kids. But you know what? I, I do also suggest reading something funny. I, I read a lot of comedy books, yeah. um, whether it was written by Peter Farrelly or I'm a, I just brought Ali Wong's book out. Like just read some funny stuff. It doesn't all have to be the heavy stuff. If anyone hasn't read Tina Fey's Bossy Pants, run. If anyone hasn't read Trevor Noah's like Born a Crime, oh, run. Amazing. Read the light stuff because it doesn't have to lack in any intelligence or depth. It just provokes a different emotion and we all need that right now. Can you tell us about your show? Because I know that's going to be bringing joy to people all the time. I'd love to hear about your show. And then I want to know if you have another book in you. I hope maybe this blog will make it into a book. And I always idealize and fantasize about having a blog. Like it just seems so Julie and Julia to me. So I attribute it to that. And I, and ironically, the blogs really started after, you know, the crisis of 9-11 was a huge onslaught of people's creativity in that time. So I'll be really interested to see what I think a lot of social media is that outlet for people. Like the platform is already designed. So people are taking it, but uh, incredible art always comes out of some of the most horrendous situations. And not that my writing is, I'm just saying, I'll be interested to see what the world produces at this time in reaction to everything that is happening, which is a lot of when blogs started back in the day. But um, yeah, I have a talk show and I work on it every day out here and it's so exciting. And I've talked to you about it for a long time and it's been a year in the making. I can't wait for everyone to know and understand and see what it is. Cause we're kind of throwing some of the role books out the window, which is great and not formulaic and will keep us all on our toes. But I definitely will be making my application of I'm excited to learn every day I can in life and to do that with heart and humor. And that is definitely what the show will be based in. But how are you and how are your kids, by the way? You know, you, you said it right. It's challenging. But when you think about what we have, what end of the spectrum we're on in terms of like the problems we have, we're good. You know, we're going to learn and grow from this and, you know, challenges are good in that way. So we're, we're fine, but I miss my friends. I know. I'm, I, and that has been one of the hardest things to maintain. If anybody feels like they're not seeing or talking to their friends because you're with your kids, you're trying to get work in. And then by the end of the day, you're so fatigued and fried. It's like the last thing you want to do is get back on another zoom and it's just so funny to see the evolution. Like I was able to write so much and see everybody on Zoom. And now it's like, I, I'm fighting to write and I never talk to my friends. It's, it's amazing. And, and I, I miss, I do. I miss, I miss that. I miss you. I love you, Drew. I miss you. Thank you for love talking. Love you, Vanessa, so much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we welcome you to stay close and discover more of our offerings. 
Check us out on Instagram at Nushu or visit Nushu.com for more. <laughs>